7 to 8 p.m. Sport on with Tabiso Musia. Thank you and a very good evening. Welcome to the show. Thank you, uh, Greg, and thank you, everybody, uh, for staying on SAFM and joining us on SAFM Sport On. As we always do on a Tuesday, we like to focus on careers in sport, and what we will be discussing tonight is sports commentating, sports commentary with a specific focus on football. And the reason being, there have been a lot of complaints on social media just about the quality of commentating in our football. A lot of people have taken to social media to say that they mute the volume, they can't stand the commentary as well as the analysis at halftime. And we want to find out from you tonight, what do you make of the level and the state of commentary, especially in our football and what is it that you are exactly not happy about we're also catering for those who want to get into commentary who want to be commentators and i know there are a lot of those there are a lot of people that have been asking us to do this um uh, career on our in our on our future careers in sport so we'll cater for you too uh, if you want to find out what it takes to become a commentator and we have invited tonight none other than the legendary and world-renowned english football commentator mr martin tyler i wrote Ironically, he's doing a big game tonight between Tottenham and Chelsea. It's the first leg of the Carabao Cup semi-final at Wembley. So we'll find out from Mr. Martin Tyler what does it take to become a quality commentator. We'll also hear from former SABC sports commentator Mr. Michael Abramson, remember the name as soon as we tweeted this uh, about 30 minutes ago. So many people were so happy uh, to be hearing from Michael Abramson. They're asking what is he up to? Definitely one of the country's most admired commentators whose voice has also been heard internationally on many different broadcasts. And he also has a program that he runs and he will tell us more about that and uh, also uh, just about his uh, commentary uh, career and some of his highlights and some of the challenges in this uh, job that is Mr. Michael Abramson. And what is a talk about commentary without Unkabi, Pesha, Pa? Mr. Dumila Mateza, we've had him before as our guest on our Flashback Friday feature where we were reminiscing about the good old days, about his wonderful commentary, especially uh, during that um, those Olympic Games, was it 90? to Barcelona that we spoke to Mr. Dumile Mateza about and also just the various broadcasts that he's done, boxing, football, everything, you name it, he's, uh, he's, been, he's, he's done that, Mr. Dumile Mateza. So we'll find out from him, where does he think that the current crop of commentators or analysts seem to be dropping the ball? And I'm saying that because that's what people have been saying on social media and just people that we've spoken to, that they're really, really not happy with the quality or the level of commentating in the country. So please do share your views we are not here to bash anybody you don't have to give us names but you can just tell us what is it that you're not happy about where can the guys improve and if you are happy if you're one of those that are satisfied with the commentary tell us what makes it so good because a couple of weeks ago you might remember that we spoke to Reggie Mapensela he is very 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 popular he's got a different style of commentary but people love it and they really called in on that night uh, to speak to Ureji and so a lot of people do still uh, like the, the others who still like the commentary uh, that's that's out there so please share share your views i really want to hear your views on this topic you can call us on 0891104207 that's our landline 0891104207 our sms line is 40938 our whatsapp number is 0614104107 and we're not limiting the discussion uh, to just football commentary but we will put a specific focus on
on it. So if you want to talk about cricket commentary that you are hearing on TV or on the radio, also do uh, uh, call us and talk about that. And we do take WhatsApp voice notes on 061-4104-107. If you're on social media, we use the hashtag SAFM Sport On. Once again, thank you for joining us. My name is Tabiso Musia. I'm not alone. Katlaho Mudiba is producing and Baba Lamduma is in technical. Leading sport stories of the day on SAFM. Talking commentary today and once again those numbers to call 0891-104207, SMS line 40938 and we take WhatsApp voice notes on 061-4104107. And let's start off by hearing then from the legendary Mr. Martin Atayla. We had to speak to him before the game because... Uh, well, before the show started, because as I mentioned, he's doing a game tonight, uh, which is Spurs and Chelsea's the first leg semi-final of the Carabao Cup. Uh, but he did uh, he did uh, manage to find time to speak to us just before that. So we had a chat with Martin Tyler, and I began by asking Mr. Tyler if he always wanted to be a commentator. Is this something that he always wanted to do? Well, to be fair, no. I think the answer is definitely no. I wanted to be a player. Um, I played semi-professional football until the age of 27. I wasn't really getting much better, um, but I had a go, and I look back on that period of my life with a mixture of pride and disappointment. I, I might have, um, might have uh, improved, I guess, if I'd stayed at it. I don't know. But the chance came to go into television, not as a commentator, but behind the scenes. And I went in as an editorial assistant. It meant doing things like... Um, putting uh, goal packages together, you know, if a game has finished 3-2, making an edit of a minute of those five goals. And if you know a little bit about football, you can put the edits in the right place. So I was doing that, but I didn't like being stuck in the studio. And the only way I could get back out to a football ground on a on a weekend was to try commentary. And I was very lucky because I was within television to um, do a couple of tests on my own, on my own little tape recorder, really very old uh, style back in the early 1970s. Um, and it led to a chance. And luckily enough, when I got the chance, I was able to take it. Wow. Well, people like you, Mr. Martin Tyler, have made us understand that there's more to commentary than just talking over a soccer game. How would you describe commentary in your own words, sir? Well, I think before the game, it's about getting the smell of the fixture, is what I call it. I'm sitting here talking about a, a game that I'm commentating on tonight, sitting preparing for it, which is uh, Tottenham against Chelsea, and I'm trying to put together all the elements that matter, you know, the fact that neither manager has won a trophy in, in their career, and they're distinguished men, um, Pochettino and Sarri. So... Uh, uh, then looking at the players, who might play, who's injured, what the storylines are with the transfer window open, is Fabregas going to leave, is he going to be there tonight, all kinds of issues about the, the players. And then there are some facts and figures as well. Eden Hazard was 28 yesterday, so will he get a, a special late birthday present by doing well in this game tonight? And generally piecing together uh, all the um, items that you can uh, use as, as background for the work. But the match then takes care of itself. So you you watch the game, you don't prejudge it, but you've got those pieces of information up your sleeve in case, um, in case they're relevant. I do a lot of work that's never heard because um, you try and cover all the bases and obviously not everything unfolds during the match. Watching the match is the most important thing. Uh, as I say, not prejudging it. Um, there was a big game recently between uh, Spurs and Chelsea at Wembley in the league in November and, and uh, Chelsea were beaten for the first time in the league under Surrey and Spurs did a good tactical job on them. Will it be the 
same tactics tonight. Uh, I, you would think so, but we have to watch to find out. So that's the kind of stuff, really. Oh, great. And and besides the prep that you that you spoke about, what qualities are needed to become a, con- a commentator? Do you have to have a certain type of a personality? No, I think you have to have a deep love for the game. That's what drew me into it and that sustained me over all these years. Uh, it's never repetitive. It's never boring. Every, every football match is uh, a different style, different elements, different storylines, different people. Uh, and I think you have to be interested in the footballers as well as the football um, because uh, you, you want to understand them how they go about their working life, like you're asking me about how I go about mine. And uh, I think concentration is important as well. A good, reasonable command of the language so that you're uh, you're not repetitive, certainly for the audience, but sometimes you feel, oh, my goodness, I've said that myself. So you're, you're repetitive for yourself, really, not so much um, for the audience. You just want to have a variety in the way you go about describing the game. And it is a reactive job, really. Yeah? And you, you, can't, um, you can't make it happen the way you want it. It happens, and you have to follow it. That's the skill, really, in keeping that concentration, making sure you don't miss anything. I know a lot of people like to talk about colour and painting a picture. Is that a big part of commentary? I think on the radio it's an enormous part. On the television, of course, it's less so because the picture is there on your screen. And uh, maybe creating the atmosphere and, and responding to the atmosphere, that's important for television. But in radio, I think the, the power of the spoken word is, is everything, whereas in television... The top people in television aren't the commentators, they're the cameramen and the directors who get these marvellous shots. Uh, you can manage um, with a football match on television, with, if you lose the sound, you can still manage. <laughs> um, but losing the picture, of course, would be... Um, that those things don't happen very much these days. When I started, there used to be a lot of technical problems. But uh, now it's all smooth as silk, and we, um, we're very blessed in that sense. But I always say, and I really mean it, the most important people... Uh, in television are the ones that provide the pictures. It's vision, television. So the cameramen and the match directors, they are they're the special people. Do you find yourself getting better with time, Mr. Martin Tyler? Does the more experience you have help you as you go forward? Um, I wouldn't say that. I think that some things you get better at and some things obviously... Um, I can't uh, rush up to the gantry as nimbly as I used to when I started, but uh, some things, uh, uh, you're slowed down by the passing of time, but as long as your mind is quick, I hope, and I hope mine still is, then um, you can continue. I think one thing experience gives you, and you, you can get better with, of course, is perspective, because you have memories going back beyond the, the younger broadcasters, and when something happens, you know, history might be made in front of your eyes and you're able to put it into context, maybe a little bit better with deeper knowledge, longer knowledge of, uh, and personal experience of being at matches that um, for the youngsters are only uh, statistics in history books. How were things when you started out? Was it one guy in the booth or two? And which one do you prefer? Is there a preference that you would have? And there was one, the main, the play-by-play guy did everything. There were only four cameras now. We'll probably have 24 cameras on the game tonight, and I'll have a co-commentator tonight. It's Alan Smith, who I work with on the um, EA FIFA computer game as well. So he's a good friend, and I have other wonderful 
and colleagues like Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher in my current work with Sky Sports. So it's, um, you know, it, it is a two-handed thing, and I really think that's the best way to go. You bounce off each other, and, and I have huge respect for the playing careers of all the guys I've just mentioned, uh, and I just try and keep them on the right lines, really. Uh, so that's, that's changed a lot, and of course, not much of it was live. When I started, a lot of the... And the football was recorded highlights, so the games were played in the afternoon. You commentated on them live, but they were then um, reduced to like 20-minute highlight packages. And that was my first job before I became a commentator. I was doing that and trying to make that package representative of the 90 minutes. So if there are two guys in the studio then, Mr. Tyler, how important is it to understand each other's roles? What are each other's roles? Well, I think the identification is the role for the job that I do um, and trying to give a little bit of relevant information. Um, the, uh, the ex-player, if you like, and the analyst alongside is to look closely at the way the game is being formed, what the tactical balances are, the individual battles on the field, what might be the difference between winning and losing and when there might be a substitution for this or that kind of um, uh, more more from the dressing room type stuff really where they have had great experience of playing at the very highest level I played a lot of football but not at the level that they played at so um, I, I, I bow to their judgment and, and it works well but it, it's very much a, a two-handed operation in the in the um, formative years of this happening there used to be not not when in my job but I know uh, other channels they had one microphone so the person doing my job held the microphone and only handed it over when he felt comfortable <laughs> and that, that limited I think the role of the, the second voice but now it's very even-handed in fact now on Sky Sports for the big games like Manchester City against Liverpool last Thursday we have two other commentators so there's three of us doing it now and the other two are both uh, analysts they were Gary Neville and Jamie Carrier and it was a, it was a great balance and I certainly don't feel crowded out <laughs> You mentioned some of the younger guys coming through, the ex-players that you work with. And what do you make of the young breed of, of commentators coming through? Is there enough uh, a talent in the pool? Are the people that excite you? Yes, I mean, it, it, it's a wonderful opportunity. Now you can learn the job. I didn't learn it. I, I just had to want to do it and, and, and make sure I didn't make too many mistakes. I wasn't a trained broadcaster at all now. There are media courses, and I would say to anyone listening who wants to be a commentator, get involved in the study media um, at uh, school, if you're still at school or college, or if you're going to university, go to the places where they've got broadcasting um, degrees, and, and that's the way to go. And, and they come through with a much more... Um, they're much more ready for purpose than I ever was. I had to learn as I went along, and, and the truth of the matter is that that wasn't um, that wasn't all perfect. But as I said, the games weren't live then so much, so uh, you, you could, they could edit out mistakes, or we could redouble if I, if I said something wrong or inappropriate. They, um, that that helped me. Although it didn't happen too often, but it was a good discipline to try and make sure that you you did the game clean and didn't need to any um, have any uh, alterations done to it afterwards. It was a matter of pride really and so I think there are lots of them out there they should be good they are well trained and they just have to get experience one thing you you can't get from a broadcasting degree is experience so you have to get into a, a job and, 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 and learn and, and of course again you probably make some mistakes on the air there's never such thing as a perfect commentary that's that's the thing I must emphasize and I never come home from a game thinking wow I cracked it you know that was um, that was 
just spot on. There's always something that you wish you'd said or something you wish you hadn't said. Uh, but that's the nature of the job. You learn to live with that. Okay, so that's part one then of our interview with the legendary commentator Martin Tyler on our careers in sport feature as we just find out what it takes uh, to be a commentator. And also we also are asking for your views of on, on the level and the state of commentary in the country. And I'm getting a lot of tweets, but we're going to play the second part of the interview with Mr. Martin Tyler after this break and the lines will be open. Remember, we're also speaking to Mr. Michael Abramson um, after this interview as well as Mr. Utumile Martin. So feel free to join that conversation on 0891-104-107. That's where you can call us, 0891-104-107. And then our SMS line is 40938. Our WhatsApp number 061-4104-107. Let's have the conversation. 0891-104-207. So then, um, in the second part of the interview, it's quite interesting uh, because Mr. Martin Tyler also talks about his work as a default commentator for the FIFA video game series uh, since 2006. And how has social media changed the game for the commentators? Has it become have things become easier? Uh, have they become harder because it's quick for people to criticize now, or and it's also quick easy for them to find information? Does it make your job harder, or have uh, does it make it a bit easier? Well, I'm not on social media, and uh, I don't really want to because I have my own way of working. I don't use it. Um, that might be to my detriment. I don't, you know, I've got nothing against it. It's just that it's, I don't have enough time in my life to be sending out messages to people because I'm working constantly. And um, I know all commentators get uh, praise and criticism. I'm probably more of the latter than the former <laughs> because that's what social media has become a platform for. So I, I know when I've had a good day and when I've had not such a good day, I don't need uh, the social media guys to tell me. But uh, and uh, in trying to maybe justify something that I've said, I, I would waste a lot of time um, that I haven't got. I just haven't got. I mean, I'm, I'm my coach in a uh, my, my club. We we just got knocked out in the FA Cup in the third round, and that's my release from commentating. Is I I go to um, the training ground and and enjoy the company with the with the guys all. Of whom are on social media, <laughs> um, but that's that's my um, um, a change as good as the rest, really, from commentating at a football ground. I'm in the dugout at the football ground. I had a wonderful experience at the uh, at the weekend where we played Watford in the um, in the FA Cup, and we were the only part-time team that got to that particular stage, and we only lost two 0 We we actually had a chance of doing better than that in the second half, but they were just a bit too good for us. That was a, a great experience. And you are part of the coaching staff at your club that you've mentioned, walk, walking, if, if that's how it's, it's, it's pronounced. What's your exact role there, Mr. Tyler? I'm assistant manager. I, uh, I'm a coach at the, on the training ground. And uh, um, we, uh, there's three of us, a manager and two assistants. And when we, we've worked, I've worked for the same manager at four different clubs now. And um, I'll do whatever is required. And last Saturday, I went to scout for the opponent that we're playing in a couple of weeks' time because we didn't play till Sunday. And uh, so, uh, Saturday scouting, Sunday coaching, Monday commentating. I did the Wolves Liverpool game last night for the World Feed, and uh, it was an interesting game with different dynamics to it, really. 
because of the, the, the Liverpool team selection. Uh, it's a wonderful life, and, and I can only recommend it to anybody who feels tempted after this conversation. <laughs> and, and do you comment? Did you get to commentate their games? No, no. I have, I have done in the past before oh. I was a coach there because they're in a level where their games are on television. But um, no, no, other that 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 um, uh, that part of my connection with the club is uh, I could. I guess I could have asked to commentate on the one on Sunday against Watford, but I wasn't going to pass up the chance to try and put my wits on. Happy Gracia, the Watford manager, was wonderful. I, I stood three or four yards from him, the way the dugouts are configured at the stadium um, for the 90 minutes, and uh, had some banter with Troy Deeney when he came on as a substitute, and he scored the goal that sealed the win for Watford, so he had the last laugh. And uh, it's, good, it's good for my connections with work. Of course, I've commentated on Watford uh, many, many times. And, and the more you find out about them as players and as people, the more it helps your broadcast. It, it was uh, strange to come away from it, a bit disappointed that we didn't get closer to them, but actually we did, for a group of part-time players and, and part-time management, we should be, I think, quite proud with what, of what we did. But um, we're out now, and, and we go on, and uh, we've got a league game on Wednesday, so it's commentating tonight and back in the dugout on Wednesday. As I say, it's a... It is a wonderful life. I've been very, very lucky to be able to... I didn't set out to be a coach. I did set out, as I told you right in the beginning, to be a player. But when I stopped playing, I thought, well, I would be a broadcaster as long as broadcasting would have me in touch wood. They still, uh, they still have me um, as we speak. But the opportunity about 14 years ago to help out this particular manager, Alan Dowson, came along. He asked me, and I said, well, you know, I'm not sure that I'm, I'm equipped for this, but... I said, I'll come for a couple of weeks, and here we are all these years later in a fourth different club and in the third round of the FA Cup. So he's great, and he's just dragged me along for the ride, to be honest. And there's been a big debate here in South Africa, Martin Tyler, just from what you've said. Is there anything wrong with a commentator supporting a certain team? Is it a conflict of interest? How does it work that side? Well, you get accused. I, I, I've been a working, funny enough, I'm a working now as a coach, but I, I've been a working fan all my life. I went there when I was eight years old, so it's a real, um, the wheel going full circle for me. And, uh, and I, I don't think, um, um, you know, I, I don't know allegiance to a Premier League club. There is a sort of school of thought over here. Oh, you must have a favourite Premier League club. Well, you mustn't, actually. There are lots of supporters. We've got a lot of football clubs in this small country, as you know, and those who, who support clubs outside the Premier League are just as passionate as those who support clubs inside the Premier League. So um, uh, most of the commentators that I know have uh, some allegiance to um, to Premier League clubs, but they keep it to themselves, and of course you can be fair. I, I did commentate on Woking, I think, a couple, three times in the early 1990s, and you, you would never know from my work, because probably I I'm almost bent over backwards to make sure I was uh, uh, as fair as absolutely possible, and then uh, probably more critical of Woking than I would have been, because people knew that I supported them. But now you can't, if you're, a, if you're a football lover, you will support a team. I mean, it would be very odd if you come into the uh, profession of commentating without knowing as a, as a kid having supported the team um, but to, to do the work it, it's it's two teams on the pitch and you really can keep your your um, your personal feelings out of it for, I didn't find it difficult at all actually to do it because there was just one team that had um, red shirts on and one team that had blue shirts on and that's the way most football matches are
Finally, as, as we wrap up now, Mr. Martin Tyler, what do you make of the various styles of commentary from the different continents, the countries, the Spanish and the South Americans are loud? We're also quite loud here in South Africa. Should each country have its own style or is, it, is, is commentary just a unique universal language? I think football is a universal language. I think one area that commentators have to get through is to become familiar um, when you start, because people are going, oh, well, I don't know this voice, I don't feel comfortable with it. There comes a point in your career, if you get that far, where you are synonymous with the sport, and then I think that almost takes care of itself after that, as long as you, you're competent in what you do. Um, there's an acceptance from the, the public, and I'm very grateful for people calling like you from the other side of the world to talk to me about what I do because it, it somehow it's uh, ticking that box that you do represent um, uh, the game in a global way as, as, uh, as a commentator and I'm, I'm obviously delighted to, to be part of that. Um, so I think styles are, yeah, maybe some countries are different. I know uh, for a while in, in German football, I've got friends with German commentators, it was, it's, quite, it's quite sort of sedate compared to the South Americans, but I suppose I'm re- remembered most for my Aguero shout in the Manchester City win the title win in 2012, which when I probably adopted a, a South American start for a, for a moment that had uh, had uh, well, incredible incredible consequences, and I was just lucky to be there and and find some words at the right moment. But um, I still after the few years it's happened now that are regarded as synonymous with the moment, relevant to the moment. So. Now, I think be yourself would be the tip that I would give. Don't try it. It's not a, it's not a job for actors. Uh, it's a job for being your own football-loving self and feeling. Because you will have, before you do your first commentary, you will have watched many games of football and be that person that you were watching the games of football um, and, and just turn it into a career structure and a chance to be um, able to do it for a job. I mean, it's still... I always say this, I, obviously I, I couldn't have done it for nothing because I couldn't have lived and brought up my family, but it's the kind of job you, you, you're very lucky to be paid for, to go and watch football and sit in one of the best seats in the house usually and watch the best players in the world. I know I asked you about painting a picture earlier on, but what about humour? We hear a lot of jokes creeping, especially during our commentary this side, and there are mixed feelings about it. Is humour an important aspect of commentary? Yes, but humour, of course, is subjective. I mean, some people find things funny and other people, uh, would they would not like uh, that kind of... Uh, it's a light touch. I think if you have a light touch, humour's fine. If, if you're a wisecracker, uh, I think that's... It's not... It's, not, um, it's serious. Um, but, of course, it's, there's a lot of humour within the sport that most people in football do have a great sense of banter, really. The, the one-liners and the gags and teasing each other, that's the sort of thing that goes on. That's the sort of language of the dressing room, the language of the industry, really. And ex-players will probably bring that into broadcasting. Um, judge the moment would be my answer to that. I'm sure there is a place for humour and obviously there's a place for um, really you know, there are things that crop up where you're you're, you're shocked by by what happens. Maybe you know some of the major incidents, the tragedies in football. If you're unlucky enough to be there when something like that happens, obviously the tone has to be uh, completely different. So it is judge the occasion on its merits and, and try and have all that range in your personality to be able to be uh, sad and sorrowful when required. And hopefully that doesn't happen very often. Uh, be funny when it's uh, a moment of humour. 
and respect the game, respect the people who play it. That's the other thing I would say. The last question from my side. You spoke about EA Sports earlier on. How do you guys do that? How do you get it right? Is it a different ball game? Do you commentate scenarios? How does it work? Yes, you, you summed it up. You commentate scenarios. And uh, we go in, and I'm starting this month for the new one, along with Alan Smith, and um, we, we don't know till we get there each day what's required of us. Of course, we have no... Uh, comprehension at all of how it goes from our voices to the amazing connection with the game and the right scenarios in the game. That's uh, a technology of uh, a miraculous kind, as far as I'm concerned. And um, well, we're guided. We don't have a script. We do have scenarios. We do. We do say, do this. Um, this is what's happening. This is the storyline. Or um, this is the competition. This is the round. Um, this is the time of the match. Uh, obviously, these are the players. It's always the toughest part to go through. Hundreds of players shouting as if they've scored. Uh, you know, if you're lucky enough, um, you know, I had a game. What, what uh, Everton two spurs six uh, before Christmas. So I've had eight goals. I've had eight goal shouts in one ninety minutes. I might have uh, eight hundred um, in a session at, um, at the recording studios, and I have to be very careful in my voice to make sure I do it on a day when I've not got any broadcasting commitments for a couple of days afterwards, because it can be very demanding. But. Uh, it, it is what it is, and it's, it's been very successful, and I've been very fortunate to be a part of it. Oh, great stuff, and we're very fortunate that you're a part of our lives, Mr. Martin Tyler. Thank you very much for your time and finding time to speak to us here in South Africa. I know that you're busy. We appreciate it. We don't take it for granted, sir. Uh, Any time to be so. It's usually a match day for me, thankfully. It means I'm still working. <laughs> it's, it's been, uh, it's been. You've, you've challenged me on on the the range of the. Uh, you know, I don't think much about the job. I just do it. So it's nice to answer your questions, and they're all very pertinent questions. So thank you for taking the time to call me. Thank you, Mr. Martin Tyler. I hope that interview helped a lot of you aspiring commentators just to understand the field and the game a bit better there. And uh, none other than Martin Tyler, of course, uh, to share with us his views. Up next, without wasting any further time, we'll speak to Mr. Michael Abramson. A lot of you have been waiting for this interview. SAFM Radio and at Tabiso Musia on Twitter. So as mentioned, we've got one of the country's finest sports broadcasters, uh, a man who's got a lot of experience in the industry, well known for his diversity in covering numerous major and minor sporting codes in various capacities on both TV and radio. And Mr. Michael Abramson joins us on the line. Good evening, sir, and thank you for joining us on SAFM. Good evening, Tabiso, and thank you very, very much for that very kind introduction. Much appreciated. Thank you. I'm not sure how much you've heard of Martin Tyler, and if there's anything that stands out for you from what he said that you'd like to touch on before we talk about your splendid career. Thank you so much. Well, I agree. I did listen to the whole interview, in fact, and I agree with everything he said. And interestingly enough, he mentioned that he started by commentating into a tape recorder, which is exactly how I started about 25 years ago, sitting in front of the television with a little tape recorder in front of me and recording the action as I described it and then listening back to it. And in fact, for the first about five or six years that I did commentary, I recorded all my commentary sessions and listened back to them as well. And I think that's a good way to see the mistakes that you're making or to try and pick up on uh, some of the things, uh, the repeated phrases that you might be using or anything else that you don't like about your commentary and just hone it to get it to a level that's acceptable to the public. 
Before we delve deeper into that, Mr. Michael Abramson, when we announced that we're talking to you, a lot of people were very happy. They want to know what you are up to. I've done a quick Google search before the show. <laughs> Power Brain seems to come up. Is that what's keeping you busy? And what's that about? Uh, lots of things are keeping me busy. I travel extensively. I'm often out the country these days. I'm a professional mentalist, so that's become oh. my career, where I perform shows and educate young people in terms of how to use the brain correctly, show them how to study for exams, and I have programs where I uh, teach young people how to cope in exam situations and how to improve their memory and what they should be eating to keep the brain boosted. Um, I'm also, as I said, a professional entertainer, so I'm doing a lot of corporate work and cruise ship work and various other things in that regard. And, um, yeah, just basically keeping busy still would would love to continue with the broadcasting unfortunately time is a bit limited these days but uh, i'm very passionate about it as you know and yeah. if the opportunity arises again who knows it might i might well be back somewhere in the future on television or radio well that's that's good to hear i'm sure a lot of people will be happy to hear that what are your thoughts on the state or the level of commentary in the country at the moment are we in a good space I think we're in a good space in part. I think uh, the commentators at the moment, I think, are disadvantaged by some of the uh, scenarios that play out. For example, when I started commentary, I was not allowed to commentate a cricket test match until I'd done three seasons of domestic cricket. So what would happen is, fortunately, I was based in Gauteng, which means that I had matches, for example, at the Wanderers, at Centurion, in Potchefstroom, in Springs, Benoni. So I got to commentate about 15 matches a season uh, on a ball-to-ball basis, or ball-by-ball basis, rather, um, regularly for about three or four seasons before they would even contemplate giving me an opportunity to commentate internationals. So I had a lot of opportunities to hone my skills and to develop a confidence and a style and get used to the whole broadcasting scenario. I think these days a lot of young broadcasters are thrust into international matches without having had that experience and without having had the opportunity to hone their skills on maybe lesser matches. And as a result, it's very difficult for them because they're working with high-profile names and mm-hmm. it's it's difficult to keep it together because as Martin mentioned in his interview there's so many things to consider you've got to keep a conversation going you've got to be clear in the language you've got to know the sport you've got to be passionate and Gerald de Kock who's a very, very well-known broadcaster yep. in the country whom I worked with and g- gave me my opportunity many, many years ago said to me, Michael, it will take about five or six years to develop your own unique style. And I think to thrust commentators into international matches without having had that, that background experience makes it very difficult for them. So I think they're disadvantaged in that regard. Having said that, I think there's some fantastic talents that are coming through. And there are some commentators equally who should never be behind a microphone. I think that's, that's just the way it is. And obviously, every, every uh, member of the public who likes you, there'll be another one who doesn't like you. And you've just got to mm. deal with that criticism and cope with it and just try and do the best job that you can in any situation. And what is the difference, Mr. Michael Abrams, in between TV and radio commentating? Well, for me, my passion's with radio. I just love radio. I love the medium because it gives you an opportunity to describe what is going on. When you're doing radio commentary, the audience cannot see what's happening. So you've got to paint a picture for them. You've got to get the whole atmosphere uh, described in in the phrases that you use. You need to have a good command of the language. You need to have a pleasant voice. You need to be able to work with your co-commentator, who's often an uh, ex-professional player, Mm. who might not be skilled as much in broadcasting, but he's very, very skilled in their knowledge of the game. And you've got to try and pull their strengths out 
as well as keeping the story flowing so that the audience or the listeners, whoever happens to be tuning into that particular broadcast, knows exactly what's going on. So there are many, many skills in radio that need to develop. Having said that, you've got a freedom to take a conversation in a direction that you want to take it because there are no pictures to guide you. On television, as Martin mentioned when you spoke to him earlier, uh, you are guided by the pictures and you have to talk to picture. You can't just talk to the game. If they're showing a replay, for example, you have to talk about that replay. You can't talk about a spectator who's sitting in the crowd next to you doing something strange or whatever else is going on. You need to talk about what the audience is seeing on the screen. So it does take a little bit of adaptation to move from television to radio or radio to television. But I think they're very diverse and it's probably, I find most commentators are more skilled perhaps in one area than another and it's difficult sometimes to get a transition between the two. You're known for being versatile, covering various sporting codes. You've even done beach volleyball. Is it, <laughs> is it tough to be an all-rounder and are there similarities in commentating the different codes? Excellent question. Uh, in fact, in South Africa, being in South Africa, we're very lucky because we have this diversity. If you, for example, live in England, Martin Tyler is, is, a, is a football specialist. He's known for his football commentary. There are some cricket commentators who only cover cricket. Here in South Africa, maybe because of the, the lack of depth in commentary that we have, we're allowed to spread ourselves around the various different sporting codes. And as you mentioned, I've commentated beach volleyball at the Athens Olympics. Uh, mm. I've uh, done major soccer, cricket, rugby, tennis matches all around the world. Gymnastics is a particular passion of mine. I love the sport and I broadcast a lot of gymnastics events. I think in terms of commentary, the skill is there to be able to keep your commentary flowing, but you have to have an in-depth knowledge of the sport. Every sport is different. For example, commentating horse racing on radio is very, very fast, whereas if you're commentating test cricket on radio, it's much slower, it's a much more leisurely pace, and you're normally sitting with somebody else. And often that's more challenging because you have to try and think of something that you can talk about that's relevant to the listeners if there's nothing happening in the game. For example, a football match or a soccer match, a rugby match, or a horse racing event on radio is very, very fast. You have very little time to discuss anything else you need to describe the action and in a way it's difficult but in a way it's actually nice because you don't your brain doesn't have to think of various topics to discuss so i think each code has its own strengths and weaknesses and various good points and bad points but if the passion's there i think the passion should be there across all sports and how's it commentating comrades the whole day? Does it feel like you're running? <laughs> <it? laughs> that's, that's a bit challenging for me because I'm not, a, I'm not a runner. I don't really understand what goes on in the mind of a runner. So it was difficult. There were times, my first comrades in 1997, I remember sitting, I think, at the top of Fields Hill on a scaffold and doing three one-minute crossings for in a 12-hour period. So that was quite demanding and very difficult. Uh, but gradually, as comrades developed, I'd, I think I did about 12 or 15 comrades in total and eventually I got a job anchoring the whole broadcast in the studio which allowed me to do more commentary and be involved more in discussions but yeah that was a bit more challenging (laughs) for me where sports like cricket, rugby, soccer, tennis are a little bit easier because I have a better knowledge of those sports. We've got Bandila who's called us from Soweto on 0891-104-207. Bandila good evening what's your comment? Hi Kaviso. Yes good evening sir. So, no, for me, I wanted to talk about our local analyst in football. Yes. Yeah, so there was a question that I wanted to ask you uh, uh, personally, because uh, if you look, uh, it's only players who played for Orlando Perez and Kedazis who are soccer analysts here in our country. All right, with, 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 with uh, uh, super sport, I can understand. But with SABC, I don't get it. Why is it like that? 
Why is there? Why would there be a difference between Supersport and SABC? Why would you understand when it's Supersport? Because Supersport is a private thing, but with SABC is a public thing. <laughs> okay, okay, we'll ask the bosses, but the, your point is actually very similar to what the Sundance coach Pizzo Musimane had to say a couple of months ago when he said that he believes that there's just a bit of unfairness in the studio. Most of the guys are chief, former Chiefs players and therefore they'll have allegiance to Kaiser Chiefs. But I hear what you're saying and it's been raised before. Uh, please feel free to call us, guys. The lines are open 0891-104-207. We take voice notes on 061-4104-107. And as I said, as I said we're not here to bash anybody, so Let's stay away from mentioning names, but you can just give us your thoughts on the standard of commentating. Mr. Michael Abramson, one of the first tweets when we said you are coming on air was that Mr. Stats is on the show. You're, <laughs> you're known as a statistician of note. Is this something that you took pride in and how much effort goes into these stats? Yes, uh, definitely. I'm a statistician by trade. I studied statistics oh. and actuarial science and I actually did an honors degree and I'm... Uh, very, very close to completing a master's degree in statistics, which is uh, on hold at the moment because of all the other things that are going on in my life. I took a very uh, significant amount of pride in looking at statistics, and it's very, very hard to keep them updated, especially for PSL matches, Mm -hmm. to keep updated all the goal scorers and the minutes that the goals were scored and the cards and the bookings and names and previous clubs of all the players and just keep that updated on my computer before every single match because I believe that football supporters, for example, who watch a game of football on television, they can see what's going on. They can see the players. They know them well enough. They want you to you should give them something extra and they want you to embellish the commentary and give them facts that are relevant. And so I took great pride in the fact that I could at least give them that extra bit of experience when I was commentating a game and let them enjoy that football experience. And I know during the 2010 FIFA World Cup, a lot of people, for example, said to me when I was commentating on Radio 2000 that they would turn the television commentary off and would listen to the radio commentary because of all the facts and figures and statistics they were getting. Mm. Uh, just on the other side of that, Tabi, so I think it's important for young commentators to realize that just because you've done research on various facts, you've found some interesting people of information. It's not always important to try and throw them in as much as possible. You've got to judge as a commentator what is relevant and what should you bring in. And as Martin was saying in the interview that you did with him, often there are lots of pieces of information that you don't use in a particular commentary that you might revisit when you cover those teams again. So it's not always important to throw all the bits of information and throw facts and figures that are irrelevant at, at listeners and viewers all the time very early on in your commentary. But it's more about judging when to use them. And if you use them at the right time and proactively, I think you can really enhance the experience for the listener or viewer. Great. Colin has called us from Cape Town. Colin, good evening. Thanks for joining the conversation. Good evening, Tabisha. Do you know what I don't like about uh, the commentating uh, uh, on the soccer? Mm. They seem to be entertaining themselves, especially when it's two, two or three maybe. Mm. They have their own conversations while the game is going on. And they seem to be giving, uh, if it's three, four games on in one evening, they give you, they basically giving you the results, and you, they ask listeners to uh, phone in. Who do you think is going to win this game? Who do you think is going to instead of concentrating on the game, they are commentating. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, and it, it, it's the same as your cricket. Also, they, 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 there's three of them in a, in, in a, doing commentary. One is doing commentary, and the other two uh, look up this, look up that. Do you know what happened here? Do you know? And they're always talking about what a great shot, good shot, nice shot, lovely shot. There's no such shots in the cricket book, sir. Mm-hmm. You either get a straight drive, cover drive, a hook, and a pull shot, and things like that. And they don't seem to also 
give you the, the floor places, they're having a conversation with themselves, the commentators. They're entertaining themselves. And it's a common point that you're raising that's actually being raised on social media, Colin. Thanks for that. A lot of people actually have made this similar point. And I want to throw it also to Mr. Dumela Mateza when we speak to him after the break. Um, but Mr. Michael Abramson, I don't know if you want to add to that from that question or that point made by Colin. Well, I think, again, it comes down to, uh, for some commentators, a lack of experience in the job, not having had a chance to hone their skills over a long period of time. And sometimes the roles are a bit blurred. I found in the past few seasons when I was doing cricket commentary on Radio 2000 that sometimes the specialist next to me would suddenly start commentating, which is not oh. his role or her role in that particular game. But sometimes everybody gets excited and just uh, doesn't realize the, the clarity of roles. And I think it needs perhaps a strong producer to pull that person aside when they come out of the commentary box and just explain to them what is going on. And often I've had to, for lack of a better word, massage the the person next to me, not literally, of course, but uh, <laughs> figuratively and guide them through and just try and steer the conversation to the point that's relevant for the listeners or viewers. So I think that could be an issue. But having said that, there are some commentators at the moment who do it very, very well and who deserve full credit for the work that they do. And as we wrap up, I mean, what are some of your high highlights in your illustrious career you've done almost every everything here um, I'd have to say the Athens Olympics in 2004. 2004 was an incredible experience. I worked 18-hour days for three and a half weeks for both Radio 2000 and SAFM and also did a lot of work uh, during that event for Australian television and New Zealand television because we had a co-chair agreement. So that was a huge highlight. I'd have to say the FIFA World Cup of 2010 and the yeah. opening game and Zibiwa Chavalala's goal in that opening game. I think that piece of commentary has probably <laughs> had more airtime than <laughs> any other commentary I've ever done. Uh, talk, talk about screaming in the South American style. That was, I think I went hoarse for about five minutes after that goal. So that to me was a huge highlight. And then uh, so many other events, top cricket matches, test matches, one day internationals, exciting events at World Cups. Uh, same with rugby. Uh, athletics. Uh, tennis, athletics, commentating yes. on the 100 meters. At 100 meters final at the Athens Olympics, and I was told about two hours before the event that Ooh. I'd be doing the commentary. I'd never done athletics before uh, to a listenership of about 44 million people. So that was very scary, but also very exciting. So there have been so many. But just uh, be- before we wrap up, I'd just like yeah. to say to be so that I'm very thrilled at the number of women commentators that are coming through and uh, that they are embracing the sport. And there's so many really good ones around. And it's exciting that we're at least getting a lot of diversity in terms of that as well. Great stuff. Thank you. Thank- Thank you very much, Mr. Michael Abramson, for joining us. We are honored to be speaking to you, and lots of people are happy to hear from you. We might have to bring you back for a longer time just to catch up for the whole hour with you. That would be fantastic. So thank you very much for the opportunity, and always a pleasure to speak to you. Catch Summer on Free, where music brings people together this festive season. With a little help from R.J. Benjamin, J.R., Kubeko Mbata, Tokozo Mbambo, Slick Angel, Tamara Day, Brendam Tambo, Nomvundo Kaluva, Zano, Good Luck, Tandin Tuli, and Louise Carver. We bring the SABC3 stage to life. Visit our social media pages to see when your favorite is on our stage. Festive season music specials on SABC3. Hashtag SAFM Sport On. There can be no discussion about commentary without the legendary Mr. Dumila Matez and we thought we should bring him here just to get his views on where maybe people seem to be dropping the ball. Uncle D, good evening and thank you again for joining us on SAFM. 
Happy New Year to you too, sir. There's a lot of criticism regarding the level and the state of commentating in the country, especially football. Do you think that criticism is, is justified? You know, uh, I don't know whether the criticism is justified, but I want to say, let me say this. One of the reasons why the broadcast rights for the EPL, the English Food Premier League, are very expensive, they go through the roof, is because of the commentators. Because you have a group of commentators in England who know exactly, who can speak the language, who have the vocabulary, who know exactly what they need to say, when and how. And that's our downfall in South Africa. Yes, and there's also a lot of talk about how we, how our commentators or analysts are not using football term, terminology or don't understand the difference between technical and tactical. Is this something that you might have picked up also? Well, it's, it's been a long time coming that uh, we, we just take people, we put them on, we give them the microphone and we say they must speak and uh, we call them analysts. And for me, an analyst is somebody who interprets the game in the best possible way for the viewer read the mind of the coach in football and rugby, the captain in cricket, the player in golf and tennis, uh, and which we do not take these things into consideration. We just play the game probably, or they have an affinity for the game, or they love the game. We put them in front of a camera, we put them in front of a camera, we gave them a microphone and say, just do what you want and just talk what you want, and it doesn't matter how it gets to the next person who is watching. We don't care about those things, and that's what brings the whole uh, turn-off. For a lot of people who love football, who love sports, who turn off and switch off and say, I'm going to rather watch something else, I'm not going to listen to this crap. But now, the other argument for me is that most of these guys are former players, so surely they should be able to understand the game better than most of us, but they still don't seem to be delivering. Is there a difference between being a player and a broadcaster? And by that, I mean, do these former players also need to be trained in broadcasting because it's a different skill? It is true. You have a back to a former cricket commentator who I had a great deal of respect for, uh, Australian commentator in Richie, I can't remember his name, but he was an Australian commentator who said, when I finished playing cricket, I went to the BBC, and at the BBC I was trained to be a broadcaster. Uh-huh. And there is what you become. You become a broadcaster first, because it doesn't help. You don't understand what the commentator is talking about, but you are supposed to analyze and talk to him about what he is talking about. You've got to understand what broadcasting is about so that you are able to take part in that discussion. So for me, as a viewer or a listener, I'm able to follow what you are saying. We had a call from Colin earlier on saying that a lot of commentators digress during a game. They go and talk about other things while the game is going on, and it's a common complaint also. How does one stay in the moment? Well, it is a, it is a common thing that... Uh, uh, when I was at the SABC, I wrote a uh, guide. I put together a guide that says you must not talk about things that um, people cannot see. Mm-hmm. When you never talk about things people cannot see, then people want to see those things. You must talk about what people can see. There's a very nice thing that the British are, are talking about, and that is if you are a TV commentator, your job is to, is to add something to the picture. Add something to the picture. If you don't have anything to add, don't add anything because people can see what's going on if you have nothing to add. 
you speak to, you, you, you interpret the game for the viewer. Unlike in, in radio, on radio you speak to the ear and you, 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 you give people a picture of what is happening on the field. And those are some of the things we not stand in this part of the world around what is it to what what makes a comment what makes a commentator what makes a broadcaster we don't understand those things mm. now we've always been told that the job is to educate is to inform and to entertain but how does one find the balance because the other common com- complaint that i'm even seeing it now on social media as we are having this conversation people are saying commentary has been turned into a comedy show people make jokes about nothing and they laugh at their own jokes how do how does one find the balance well uh, again uh, going back to the old days of apartheid when you were when you started the acbc if you are a commentator that makes a lot of noise doesn't matter what you say your bosses who were normally African or white people would say you are the best commentator because you make a lot of noise. It means they don't understand what you're saying. The important thing about commentary is going back to what I said earlier. Uh, when you do commentary, you start with the most important things. You start with the basics. Who has scored, who has taken a wicket, any open uh, record in athletics, should you be commentating in athletics? Fundamentally on television, I said earlier, you don't speak unless you will be able to come into the picture. Mm-hmm. We need to have what we call in this, in this business a dramatic beginning and a neat ending. Your, your sentence will not end in space. We must not try and find what you try to say now. And there's something in, in sport called uh, sound effects. Yes. Those must be given the prominence they deserve. And an attempt to make, it must be made. Both those, to both those who do not understand, not want the effects interrupted, or those uh-huh. who would like them explained. Uh-huh. And this is the, the, the thing that we don't understand in this country about broadcasting. Uh, we tend to want to compete with sound effects. The problem is you don't have to compete with sound. You keep quiet, and you should probably say, that tells you what happened in the end. They complement the commentary. You were doing a build-up to a goal, and the goal is scored, and you have kept quiet, and then that tells you, that should tell you that so-and-so has scored. I remember I was doing commentary in uh, HMPJ one year. I think Kaiser Chiefs were playing Sundowns at HMPJ. And you had three players at Kaiser Chiefs. Uh, a school said Dr. Kumalo, and uh, and and Mac, Max Maponyan. Mm. And the one when the one gets the ball, you good for the other one, and they pass to them. <laughs> and Max Maponyan got the ball, the last pass from H. Kusa. He turned his back to the girls, and I said, "What a waste! What a goal!" Because what I was not aware is Max Maponyan was intending to 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 bicycle kick the goal, and he bicycle uh. kicked the goal, he scored the goal. And those are the moments that are exciting in, in, in commentary that you normally don't forget. And uh-huh. this is the kind of thing. For instance, today we are told uh, uh, when a commentator reaches an age of 40, we are told he's too, too old, old to commentate with youngsters. I, was, I cried tears sitting here in front of, te- of the television when Henry Blofeld, at age 80, doing his last cricket commentary, at Lords yeah. was given the honor of doing an honor around the field celebrating 
and greeting all the people who have enjoyed his commentary. Great stuff. Well, we have to leave it there, Uncle Dumila Mateza. People are still waiting for that school of commentary of yours. They want you to start up your school of commentary, but time is against us. We can't get into that. Uh, we have to leave it there and go to news. Thank you very much to everybody that's joined us. Apologies for being a bit late for news. There is a game going on. It's Pirates 2, Chipper United 1 after 30 minutes. And if you missed the big news, Egypt have been awarded the rights to host AFCON 2019. We are out of here. My name is Tabi Sumusia.